Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Wednesday, April 8th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour. Two producers on opposite coasts who started out to make a lighthearted podcast about the film industry. (laughs) But now we are reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. We love hearing them. Um, We can relate to them. Your story is kind of our story. We're all living this right now. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and ideas. And when you share it, it resonates with somebody out there, and it all makes us feel a little less alone right now. So email us, or better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo on your smartphone, really simple, and send it to us. You all have a smartphone. (laughs) You all have a smartphone. Send it to us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website at producershappyhour.com. And please share the show with friends and colleagues and family and your second cousin who lives in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) We want these stories to be heard. All of them. Everybody you know, just get it out there. We're on every platform. Today, we are talking with Beth Schulman, who is a longtime friend of ours. Christian, you and I have known her for many years, and she's had, you know, 15 plus years experience in production as a line producer and a broadcast agency producer based in L.A., New York. And now she's back in Sydney, Australia, where she's hunkered down with her family. This feels like a week of Australia, Lawrence, and I love it it because getting that perspective from I, I know that the film communities in the United States, right, we we're the forefront of every, you know, Hollywood, blah, 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 blah. I get it. But seeing how other film communities around the world are reacting to this has been very interesting. Yeah. So I can't wait is. to hear what she has to say. I want to try and make next week England, London, Ooh. UK week. How about that? Yeah, because some... they're in the they're in some, you know, yeah. deep waters right now. So, yeah, I'd love yes. to hear about how they're faring right now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, Lawrence. Yes, Christian. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm okay. You know, I had a thought this morning when I woke up, and this was something I asked for a few days ago or last week or whenever it was. I don't mm-hmm. know, two hours ago. Um, that, <laughs> so this time is irrelative. <laughs> that I'm waiting for the day where I wake up and this feels normal. It, this doesn't feel oh. normal. But I will say that I woke up today not feeling like we were in a state of emergency. Even though we clearly still are, yes. and I, I say this all the time, I know there's people out there suffering and dying. We're not here to make light of that at all. We're talking about our own personal experiences, and my own personal experience this morning, I did not wake up and just have that, oh my God, what's happening now? Which I've had every day since, you know, what, Saturday the 13th or something, I guess? Um, March, we had Friday the 13th, so yeah, Saturday the 14th. Saturday the 14th, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm, I have a dates thing, as you could probably tell. I know, you like dates. We're, we're chronologically logical. <laughs> we're chronological. We're chronological. Uh, we're chronological and shit. No, it's good that we're we're documenting the dates because, you know, it, it's so easy to forget this down the road about how this all unfolded. Time has been a almost like a circle. Uh, it just, it, it, me, it means everything. It means nothing. It's blending together. It's hard to remember this morning. Yeah, I can remember other things throughout the last two months, like like it was yesterday. So I want to say, Lawrence, that I'm so happy that you woke up like that this morning, because I think it's the beginning of allowing yourself the acceptance. You know, like I know we've been talking about going through grieving and such. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. this could be the beginning of acceptance. 
Oh, I hope so. I hope so. I feel like we're all on our own timelines too, right? Oh, 100%. Exactly. And where we're at may not be where we're not on each other's page, but Mm -mm. you know, like where we're at may be completely different from where somebody else is at. And just thinking about our guests, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Sandrine feels like she's miles ahead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, whether she is or not, I don't know, but her adaptation to the Mm -hmm. situation seems like it happened pretty relatively quickly. So the voicemail that we got yesterday is, you know, from uh, the first AC in Texas was so, you know, heart wrenching because he's Mm -hmm. living every day as if it just happened. It felt like. Yeah, 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 exactly. mm -hmm. Yeah. Like sands in an hourglass. (laughs) Sands in an hourglass. Today I'm feeling, it's hard to pinpoint, but I feel good. That's good. Are you yeah. sleeping? Uh, no. Oh. No. No. Oh. I, w- I mean, mm, what I would give for some sleep right now. But I do, I'm recognizing the problem and trying to figure out what I can, you know, do. To Maybe it's less stimulation. Maybe it's just, you know, at a certain mm. time, just turning everything off. You know, like I, I've started to do some research and I will figure it out. But I'll definitely take your email tips of yeah how you go to sleep at night because <laughs> this is i mean there's no noise outside in new york right oh, now right. oh that's got to be strange it is a little strange there's you know although it seems like first thing in the morning the there's such little traffic that the roads outside the house have become almost like you know the autobahn somehow (laughs) (laughs) right because there's nobody driving you can go as fast as you want it seems yeah 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 so there's this there's just different road noises that are happening too in just different aspects of new york and it's just you know it's a little unsettling yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for sure yeah but i I will sleep i will sleep soon i yeah I just know that i'll i'll you know i'll need two days just to do it and then i'll wake up in a a new rhythm or something. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I have a proposition. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not do a show on Saturdays anymore. Okay. Let's take, I mean, the, week, the, let's take the whole weekend off. Done. And then uh, I can right? see about, uh, yeah, because it's not I, like I have anywhere to go. It's not like you have anywhere to go. And that may, <laughs> may maybe help you unwind a little bit. Right. Two full days. I know we uh-huh. started this and it felt like every day was a news story or some new event was happening and it was important for mm-hmm. us to be connecting on Saturday. I think that cycle has slowed down. And I feel like that we can take a breather for ourselves over the weekend. Yeah. And if and if anything comes up, you know, it can wait till Monday, I think, unless it's something something major. Something major and we can jump right on because we, we both can jump have right home on. studios. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with that. And I also think that not only have we gotten into this routine, we're also better able to fetter out the sensationalism yes. news and get down to the core of things. So the urgency is, while still there, doesn't seem like so shocking. Anymore. I mean, it's amazing what you can get used yeah. to in three and a half it, it, weeks. So. If you listen back for all the listeners, all the shows are archived on our website, producershappyhour.com. And you can also listen to all the old episodes on any podcasting app. If you go back and listen, there was so much information that we were trying to get out. Obviously, you guys have access to it all, but we just felt like we needed to talk about all these issues about permit shutting down and who's doing what and what's happening. And I think all that's kind of we're filtering. It's slowed. We can all take a breath. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Let's take yeah, some time we off. Can, yeah, we'll, we'll take this Saturday off and we'll see how take much. Saturday uh, off. What yeah, type of we'll withdrawal be. situation we have. <laughs> I know. Reassess. Because there is, there is a comfort. <laughs> there is a comfort of us two talking every day, right? Yes. And then, okay, I did want to bring up one thing too. Bernie Sanders is out. I know we're not political, and I know we're not journalists, but oh, he, I just didn't announced, see. he just announced. Mm-hmm. I haven't had the news on at all. I know. Oh my so God, just, really? Yeah, just fodder, you know, uh, uh. something that, you know, actually took up some news cycle instead of, you know, it just was a little bit of a break, you know. Um, he, yeah. he did it. He addressed his followers. It is a time to come together right now, mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. So maybe yep. that's the thinking behind it. Uh, you know, I'm curious to learn more once, uh, you know, this afternoon. So, yeah. I'm yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. That is, that's a very big deal. And, you know, Boris Johnson is still in ICU. Yes. You know, who knows if the information coming out of that is accurate, but they say he's breathing on his own. Yeah, they say he's breathing on his he's own. He's not on a ventilator, which is which is good. Yes. You should never want to be... Not a ventilator. It's just not good. It's not. It's not good. Nope. All right. Well, Sandrine, our guest from yesterday, Sandrine Orabona, documentary filmmaker, director, sent us some info. You know, we were talking a lot about local politics and how this is all working. She sent us a lot of information about the EDD, which is the California's Employment Development Department. That's the Ah. agency that funds unemployment insurance for people. And, uh, you know, we all have these kooky jobs that we can't really, you know, either we're freelancer 1099 or we have 20 W-2s or W-4s or whatever. So it's complicated for a lot of people. And I broke into the front of last night's episode to say that the Zoom conference with the EDD and mm-hmm. IOTC and SAG and DGA has been canceled. So that, that Zoom conference was going to teach us how exactly entertainment industry workers file for unemployment. And that was going to cover... 1099 people, self-employed people, all the different variations that we have in the industry. Right. That's been canceled and that's a big bummer. So they're working really hard. The, they're, they're working really hard to reschedule that. In the meantime, Sandrine found on a website, careeronestop.org, uh, uh, some information about filing for unemployment insurance. And she also spoke to somebody uh, through her work, work resource center, um, which is easier than getting somebody from the EDD on the phone. So you might want to try that for yourself. But basically, they said that the EDD just started getting the guidelines from the federal government regarding the benefits. So mm. hopefully, once they kind of digest the guidelines, they can start distributing the benefits soon, and it will be retroactive. So if you filed two weeks ago and you haven't heard anything, don't worry. It, right. Those two weeks will be counted once they are able to start distributing retroactive. the funds. Retroactive, got it. Mm-hmm. The other thing she said is that there also seems to be some discrepancy about the, the COVID-19 designation. And it's like the difference between applying for unemployment back in January right. and trying to take advantage of the CARES Act or saying you were unemployed back then before March 16th or 19th, whenever they kind of went on lockdown here. Right. So you got to be very careful about when you say you became unemployed. You really should say that it was after. Oh, that's great to get, information. Get locked down. Yes. So the person that Sandrine spoke with said, you know, make sure you state you were unemployed after the lockdown. No, that's and then, that's really smart and good information. Yeah. And, and this is also this is all just her personal experience. She's not none of us are trying to tell anybody what to do. We just want to share this story because it might be helpful. 
she also had an issue about her name being misspelled on a W-2. So the W-2 oh. didn't show up in the system. So she put in the W-2 manually. And of course, that just triggers this whole end- endless loop of investigating and trying to get it corrected. And it seems like what's happening is that they're pushing through the ones that are in the system, the ones that are correct, the ones that are no issues. They're pushing those through as fast as you can. And all the other ones that might have issues, it's, that's going to take a minute. So I guess the moral is if all of your paperwork checks out, if you're in the system and you got everything kind of all buttoned up, then you should go for it and apply. Mm-hmm. But if there are any issues, you might want to hold out until you can kind of get them all figured out and get right. all your paperwork in order. Otherwise, you're going to end up in this endless loop of, of things because they, they're not answering the phone. They can't. You're you're right because um, nobody's in the office, so they can't physically, you know, answer the phones. But yeah. also, it's hard to log into your antiquated state system from home. I only know that because I know somebody who works for the city. <laughs> so uh-huh. it's it's just it's just a bit of a nightmare. So yeah, I think it's good advice to figure out to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row before you go and do it because it will be yeah. retroactive. It will be. But if something is misaligned between paperwork and what they have in the system, it's, it's going it's to take a little it. bit. It's going to take a little bit. So yeah. be careful with that. And then for New York, Christian, I found a PDF that is from the New York, your New York Department of Labor, um, mm-hmm. who I assume is the agency that doles yes. out the, the benefits. Mm-hmm. It's a PDF called Guidance for Self-Employed Individuals, How to File an Unemployment Insurance Claim on New York State Department of Labor's website. It's a PDF. It's a step-by-step with mm-hmm. arrows and things about what you want to select and what you want to check and oh, what wow, you want to leave Oh, wow, this is great. Yeah. I'm so reading it and just like, wow, it, this is very informative. It's really, really helpful. So it's at labor.newyork.gov, and maybe you just got to search for Self-Employed UI Guide PDF. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. You can download it straight from our website and from the show notes in your smartphone. Perfect. Thank you, Lawrence. I mean, this is yeah. this is extremely helpful. So it's great. Cool. Well, so Lawrence, today I wanted to talk to you about a very good friend of mine, very close, near, dear to my heart, um, Becky Morrison, who, oh, yeah, she has I a... I know Becky. Yes, she's good people. She uh, not only owning her own company and uh, as an EP and producer, like she's been doing it forever. I've known her forever. She also has a charity called oh. Globe Tops. And basically what she's been doing forever now, it feels like, she has been getting donated laptops. So, you know, in this business, we turn over laptops probably every three to four years, right? Uh-huh, so I'm uh-huh. sure we all have like a, an iPad or a laptop that is a previous generation that is just sitting on a shelf somewhere with a bunch of hard drives, right? Literally about two feet from me, I've got one. So she <laughs> has taken, she takes those laptops and wipes them clean, gets them operational, and then has been sending them into countries where laptops would not be abundant, but, you know, students need them because, you know, they're trying to be in a film program or something. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. So she's been doing that for years. Well, she's basically turning that inward right now to the New York City um, Department of Education. So basically the Department of Education estimates that 300,000 students lack devices. They have distributed 200,000. This means 100,000 kids. Yeah. They're not participating in any classes at all, or they're trying to do their homework from their parents' cell phones. There's a whole, 
ton of kids out there who are not uh, learning right now because they're they're not in a school, right? Yeah. So yeah. may I implore upon everyone out there what she's offering safe, free pickups in New York City that do not require person-to-person interaction. All mm-hmm. devices will be sterilized before giving them to students. Donations are tax-deductible. And it just... It's just something that we can do yet again that is, you know, spring cleaning is coming up. Yep. We yep. all have these things, you know, the devices or whatever. Maybe you have an old PC one that your, you know, spouse used forever ago or so. Anything yeah. will help. And it's something that these children do not have. It's something that we can do to offer help to these kids. So I think we'll put the website and the, all the information um, on our website And if you are in L.A. or any other part of the country and you would like to donate, let us know. I can coordinate with Becky or you can get in touch with Becky. I'm sure there's there's a way we can ship it. Uh, We'll just we'll figure it out. But if you have anything like that, we'd love it if you could pass along to Becky. And what's the website? It's globetops.com. Okay, great. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Globetops.com. That sounds like a very worthwhile endeavor that she's partaking in. It's very yeah, lovely. She's been doing it for a while and it, it's pretty awesome. So it is. she, she saw it, she saw a way, I mean, not a waste, but she saw, you know, unused things and came up with a solution for them and is just the conduit. I love it. Yeah. Now this is needed more than ever with every kid being homeschooled. Every single kid. Could you imagine having to turn, you know, no. your smartphone into your child's homework station? Oh, my God. I know. Yeah, so think no. about that, guys out there. You're teaching your kids right now at home. Would God bless you? Again, Lawrence yeah. and I don't have children. But yeah. having to teach them <laughs> on your phone. Oh, jeez. That's... I, I, <laughs> exactly. So. Hats off to all the parents out there. I say it all the time, but hats seriously. Off. Exactly. Oh my gosh. All right. Tell me about the voice memos for today. All right. My f- Kat's, I love this part. I know, me too. Kat Skyle, she's CEO and producer at Narrative Creative Agency in Annapolis, Maryland, which is a political ads shop. Ooh. Yeah, very interesting for right uh, now. Oh, yes. Give it to us, Kat. My name is Kat Skiles, and I am the CEO and producer at Narrative Creative Agency here in Annapolis, Maryland. I run a political video shop have worked in progressive politics most of my career. I worked on uh, Better Our Works presidential campaign. Um, I was a senior advisor for Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Um, I was a press secretary for the Democratic Caucus in the U.S. House of Representatives and shifted to creative work after working at the DNC for um, a short period of time. I recently just finished a video for my sister who is running in Utah's 46th House District. And, you know, I would just implore all of my friends who work in politics, work in advocacy, um, have a story to tell. Don't let this pandemic discourage you from from getting that out there into the world or make you think that you have to break the rules to do so. Let's use our creativity and innovation to fight for the causes that matter now more than ever. Um, The making of the piece that I just referenced for my sister was 100% remote and it honored all of the social distancing practices that will keep ourselves and others safe during these trying times. We use cell phone vid and a basic DSLR with all natural lighting for our shots. Production techniques utilize After Effects to polish some old school VHS clips, which were really, really neat. And 
some basic mask and Omni uh, light editing in Premiere for a white screen. Uh, we really went the extra mile on research for visuals and focused heavily on the story we wanted to tell while sticking to best practices on text and ratio to, to keep it sound. But, you know, if anyone out there in the world is wondering how they're, they're going to get their message out, go hire yourself a video editor. There's a lot of folks in the gig economy who can, can serve you well. And, uh, you know, I, I don't care how, how pretty it looks or if you have to edit yourself or do it live. Uh, we've got stories to tell and a country to save. And unless we're getting after it, we're not going to be able to do any of those things. Oh, my God, Kat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love you. I am we, very excited. I'm, I feel like I want to reach out to her on the we side. Are and Kat's just be like, fans. What's up, Kat? I mean, wow. I, I know. like How empowering. It is. It's also like, I get it. Like, who cares what it, I mean, it, unpolished is kind of what we are right now. I don't know. I, I just yeah. feel like it's, she's right. It doesn't have to be perfect in order to be meaningful. I mean, media we create is reflective of the human condition at the time. And this is us right now. You know, it's like, man, get creative. Do you hear all that stuff she was rattling off? VHS tapes and using all these different different applications. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. I know. I know. And so, yes, a lot of us are self-taught with these programs. Um, So maybe it just means, you know, grabbing one of those hard drives I just mentioned, pulling up some footage of a Mm -hmm. fond spot that you did and just playing around with it to see if you can make it look good. And she is correct. There's a lot of freelance editors that are already all set up at home. Oh, yeah. There's already voice actors that are all set up at home, such as myself. (laughs) How would you know? (laughs) There's a lot of people out there that are freelance, they're creative, and available. There are still ways to get your message out, and especially when it's something as important as the upcoming elections, even the small elections. Oh, the the local. Bringing you back to local. As as Sandrine said, local elections will have an impact as well, uh, especially in bigger cities. So thank you, Kat. That 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 was excellent. That was really re- refreshing. Yes. Yeah. That's big stuff. Yeah, Kat. I mean, dang. Yeah. I mean, I just see a powerhouse of Kat with her credentials and her sister running in Utah. Yeah. And I know. Like, dude. So anyway, thanks, Kat. And we love hearing these. We'll definitely play yours if you send us one. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Let's talk about taking action. Yes. So on our website, we have a page called Take Action. And so it's just a list of resources. Christian, we have your No Rent New York City petition link there. Don't pay your rent. Exactly. Uh We need to be doing something about this because guess what? It's already the 8th of the month. You know, time marches on. And we've got Isaac Rothwell's link to his Live Events Coalition, which has their petition to make sure the live events industry is seen by the federal government as an actual industry, which it is. So thanks. And I know there's a lot of live event people out there listening. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he say that it's one of the large, like if you add it all up together. He said it's it's the second largest industry in the country. I haven't seen the receipts, so I don't, I can't verify that. (laughs) But he's done the math. If you really take a look at what all the different sectors, you know, it's a Venn diagram of sectors, right, of different industries that all come together for live events. So it's, uh, it's pretty overwhelming. Yes, and I just checked it. They're trying to get to 500,000 and they're at 448. 
Oh my so gosh. I know, it's, again, um, it's yeah. just amazing that how large that community is. So definitely get on there and sign it. Let's uh, let's make some let's shit happen. Sign it. It's still important. It, I know the CARES Act already passed, but there's going to be more and there's going to be more need for the government to recognize the live events community as a major industry in this country. So sign that petition. Yes. Get on it. On to our interview. Yes. I can't wait. Beth Shulman is an executive producer specializing in broadcast, integrated, branded, and multi-platform content, plus campaign production for agencies, media, and production companies. Beth has been a staple in the production community and has since moved back to Sydney, Australia, where she continued as a broadcast producer, but has now expanded into being a technology producer, which is really fascinating. And she's going to give us her take on our situation and her situation from her new post. So let's take a listen. Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? How is your family doing? Where are you at right now? We are doing really, really well, believe it or not, which is a terrible thing to say in the time of Corona. But Ross and I are both working from home. In Australia, we're still sending kids to school. So a lot of people have pulled their children out voluntarily. I have a Mm -hmm. three-year-old. And Mm -hmm. you do not want a three-year-old running around while you're on conference calls, if you can possibly help it. And the government has actually made daycare completely free here. Holy shit. Yep. Oh, we're in the wrong place, Lauren. We're not (laughs) paying to send our child. As a whole, Australia-wide, you can send your child to any daycare facility and get free care right now. And that's until the 30th of June. How have we gotten this so wrong? I, I you know, it's, the it's, I know. We're the richest, so poorest funny. country there is. Yeah, yeah, it's really, I mean, some of it, it's funny. So apart from that, and apart from our like little pod, um, mm-hmm. I actually have my parents-in-law here from New Jersey. Oh, no way. So they really? came early March to spend like three or four weeks with us. And as, mm-hmm. and my brother-in-law, and as everything progressed, it became abundantly clear that not only was their flight not going to go, but we didn't want them to get on a flight. They're in their mid-70s. They live in New Jersey. They would have to transit JFK and LAX. We have been kind of dealing with that stress for like the last three or four weeks. And there's definitely momentary freakouts from them probably once or twice a week when they get an issue from like the State Department or something telling them to come home and they freak out and we kind of talk them around it and just, you know, and show them the curves that are happening in New (laughs) York and try and explain to them. The only only reason that these calls are going out is to get people back home if they don't have anywhere to live. They've got family there, so they're fine. They should stay there. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And I think they, you know, yeah. they miss, they obviously miss home. We put them in a temporary accommodation for now because uh, our place is just not big enough for right. sick yeah. people. Um, but, and they seem to be weathering it really, really well. We've booked them on a flight on the 18th of May, which was the latest that I could possibly convince them. But I'm sure that I convince them if things continue on the same trajectory that they are yes. right now with New York, I think I would convince them to push it out but then we've got visa issues because they're actually here on a Uh, visa that (laughs) expires in june but these are i'm dealing with one problem at a time with them that is june is so far away right now yeah but i want to i want to back i want to 
back you up a little yeah. bit because I'd love to get a little bit more background on you. Tell us a little bit about your whole trajectory from producer. You were here in L.A. and you went to New York and then you ended up in Sydney. Now you're in agency land. Give us a little. Uh... Yeah, I I'm obviously Australian and I'm American. So I, yeah. my dad's American. My mom's Australian. I was actually born in St. Louis, Missouri. I kind of started my whole career like in college. So I mm. kind of always was attracted to film and television. And when I, I came back to Sydney for about two years after college and I started working, I think, in like corporate video and they were doing digital video for the first time. And I was their digital video producer as like a little 21, 22 year old. And it was a lot of like. That was the stuff we would throw to the, you would throw the 21, 22 year olds, ex- the digital. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of, I got a good sort of weird landscape to start off with in my career. And then I came over to LA, which is where I met Mr. Lawrence Lewis, uh-huh. my savior, <laughs> who uh, I started as a PA. I really, I came up in music video and, and commercial lands like you guys did. And Larry and I got put together by Anka, who you, I think you guys already interviewed. Yes, on we've had her on the show. <sighs> and I was like, Anka, don't you dare tell me who I have to hire. Who is this Beth? person and, lo and then and a behold. week later <laughs> a week later we were uh taking ecstasy in some random nightclub <laughs> in atlanta i don't know <laughs> it's still to this day one of my favorite and you know did we make it to the tech scout i don't remember i don't, I don't even remember <laughs> <laughs> and then sister christian oh my goodness she introduced us to new york so she did <laughs> yes. and, I, and we all did productions together you were, we did. we did like producing PM and I was coordinator, right? And well, we all fell in love. Yeah. yeah. We all fell no, in love. It was, a, um, yeah. it was a big job, special time, good budget, still was film. There was a lot of, there's a lot of fun stuff that happened. A lot of fun stuff in those Wasn't days. Wasn't it yep. awesome? Oh God, <laughs> the glory days. So anyway, the so glorious. I ended up uh, eventually, <laughs> I went to London for a little bit for a guy. Yep. And then I ended up uh, desperate, alone, broken up, and ended Aww. up back in New York. And actually, the thing that got me back to the States was yet another job with you, Larry. Do you remember? Larry <gasps> called me and he said, I, oh, I have a job in New York. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm not working here. I might as well go. And that was how I ended up moving permanently to New York was oh God, that job. Amazing. And that job got canceled. Do you remember? It did? Yeah. I don't. That job got no. canceled. And I was like, this is just my luck right now. I was like, sorry, Beth. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I was like, screw it. I'm in New York. And I shipped all my boxes back. And that was the end of the story, really. I mean, I stayed in New York for 10 years after that, fell in mm-hmm. love, got married, had a kid. And in the meantime, while that was happening between like 2009 and 2019, the industry was just changing rapidly, rapidly. around me, you know, and yeah. crazy. we went from shooting on film to shooting in video, like almost mm-hmm. instantaneously and finally realizing what a DIT did and like all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, film stuff. Yeah. yeah so, film stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I do miss film. Man, I miss running the film. Like that was cool. Yeah. I miss the dailies and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, the industry changed and we all needed to kind of change with it. And right. it sucks that wages didn't change. It sucks that yeah. budgets yeah. got lower. And around the same time, around 2010, I was working with what was a production company at that time called Mechanism. And right. I became their main producer 
they flipped mm-hmm. into being an agency around 2010, mm-hmm. 2011. And when they flipped, they took me with them. It was a really great sink or swim moment for me. And what it did for me was realize how much I really appreciated being on the agency side, as well as understanding everything on the production side. Yes. You know, like yeah. understand that some poor bastard has been sitting with this script for six months. You're conditioned when you're on production company side to be like, what the hell is this? You know, like nothing right. is yeah. explained. It's a trickle down approach mm-hmm. to yep, production. Exactly. And the one thing that I really appreciate, especially about my time in production versus agency producing, is being able to definitely communicate why something has happened yes. and figure mm-hmm. out a solution around it. Those kind of experiences, I think, really, really help a producer. You know, when a producer gets paired with a great director, who understands the agency process, whether either they came from agency or they just are smart. The good directors can get behind the script and understand what the messaging is and why it's there. So they understand, I'm never going to win this fight. You know, this is is the skeleton of it, but I know what I can change and they know what they can. And that's when you start to learn as a producer, you start to learn the other side of it and you start saying, oh, now it's starting to make a lot more sense. To both of your points, I worked with a agency, well, I had a production at an agency who was the producer on the job about three years ago, and he would always introduce me as his producing partner. And I thought, oh, that, nice. I know, and I, I just, like, I've adopted that since then, if, you know, the agency producer and I, because I do need all of that information. If they want yeah. us to complete the job in the short amount of time and the shitty little budget that we have. They need to communicate, as you said, Beth. So they are my producing partner. When when you have somebody who is your partner, I do like that um, you take that action, Beth, when you're working with line producers because um, it means so much. And the yeah. job gets the job's always better. Yeah, I think so too. And I also think, and Larry will know kind of the details of my history as well. Is like I went from agency producing and agency producing. And bouncing back and forth a little bit into production land every now and then, I ran a production company for like Mm -hmm. a, for gosh, almost a year. And, you know, that kind of, (laughs) that was a life lesson, that production (laughs) But what it did help me do at least was use that ethos to explain it to directors and also with agency creatives because agency creatives won't work with you if they don't want you either. So it's really important to get a really like have a cohesive sort of team on every single production because then they'll come back to you guys when they want a similar problem solved or or anything like that. Are you currently working? So I am. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So this is the weirdest (laughs) thing as well. So Obviously, you know, broadcast producer, 16, 17, 18, however many years it's been. And I did, when I got over here to start off with, I started full-time in as an EP at an agency. It was mm-hmm. not the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I lasted mm-hmm. about, I think, four or five, six months. Um, and then I went freelance. And I went freelance as a broadcast agency producer and then flipped mm-hmm. over, obviously, still to production jobs. Um, And then this opportunity came up for me. I have switched over not to be a digital producer, but a technology producer. To the client side. Kind of the client side. I'm still working outside. I've started my own company. It 
kind of came through at the right time for a pandemic because it's something that I can do remotely. It's Mm -hmm. really, really interesting. It's given me a break mentally, I think, from just like the hardcoreness that is production. Yeah. And it's it's amazing and like kind of life changing as far as the technology that I'm working on. And what do you mean what do you mean technology producer? Explain that to us. I mean I wouldn't want to call myself a digital producer because I don't do websites and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's a lot of um, machine learning. It's really fucking cool. And it's right. I'm learning. I'm learning every single day. I have no idea what I'm doing, like 99.9% of the time. I love that. But I have a couple of like key people that have really been helping me out on it. And Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful, A, that they've given me the chance to do this. And B, that it is corona proof in a sense, which is just insane. Again, I feel like I walked away from a nuclear bomb in production and it was, you know, who who knows how long it's going to last. I don't know how long, you know, I'm still freelance and still kind of like just chugging along, but I feel really lucky and really excited and everybody should just be aware and available and open to opportunities to pivot into something that they wouldn't necessarily think that they would do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know Lawrence kind of saw the bellwether of like in, like of um experiential yeah, experiential thank you sorry <laughs> forgot the word um but you thought about whether that years ago you know you started your own stuff on that almost instantaneously and it's something that a lot of production companies have been pivoting to in the last five yeah. years and you were ahead of the curve on that and i think that it was nothing so planned important. it was just something that was born out of something creative that i wanted to do at a moment when it was just kind of happening that's what I think this moment where we're learning talking to people like you is at this moment is providing people an opportunity to really take off all the pressure of, I mean, granted, there are people suffering. They can't pay their rent. They can't afford food. So I don't want to talk about how amazing this moment is in that way. But for the people who, who are able to make it through this, they have this opportunity of really checking in with themselves and seeing what makes them happy and what is their passion. And maybe it's something completely different than what they're doing. And changing your life is not an easy thing to do, but at least it gives people a moment to really check in with themselves and find that kind of passion. And I was so happy that little passion that I had with my friend Devin took off into these great projects. Of course, experiential is probably even further out from coming back than (laughs) filmmaking. So me putting a lot of eggs into that basket was probably ill-timed. But but now here's another great pause for us to take stock of what makes us happy we were like i don't know four days in and i'm texting christian i'm like let's start a daily podcast (laughs) you know it was just like that's what i want to do right now i have no other responsibilities let's just do this thing and it's been great to talk with you about this kind of stuff and and just hear everybody's story I, i mean that's what i love about you larry though like i mean that's what you've always done is you've been like i'm doing this i'm doing this you've always had a thousand side projects and i have to say it's hard for someone who doesn't have a lot of side projects and I spent yes. I spent a good like once I quit that job like I spent a good like three months on my ass like not uh-huh. knowing what I wanted to do thinking I wanted to get out of production and, and that's okay and it's okay to not know some of the fear happens when you have nothing to do you know like some of it mm-hmm. your brain feels like it freezes and you have to think of something really fast and it's mm-hmm. like be patient and be kind to yourself and don't 
feel like because you don't have an answer right now, it's the wrong answer. Like you, I know that there's a lot of pressure on people right now to earn income and to do it however they can. And that is temporary. It will pass at some stage. We do not know when. It's really, really difficult to say, yeah, take your time and think about what other things that you want to do because some of those things aren't going to be possible right now. I think just be open to opportunities is what I would say and and not necessarily be afraid to pivot to something that you've never done before because of fear or because you're not upskilled or anything like that. Just go with it, fake it till you make it. Just pretend you know what you're doing. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I mean, that's that's what I've been doing my entire, that's yeah. in my entire career, pretending you know what you're doing until you learn enough that you actually do know it. And I have, I acknowledge that we are in a fortunate position where we can take this time and not have to stress about how we're going to buy food this week. There are people out there that are doing that. So our, our hearts go out to them. But to be able to sit down, there was like two articles that I read, you know, a year ago, maybe even two years ago that are just resonating so much with me these past few weeks. And one is being so busy, which we've all, especially with digital technology, have become so much busier that we've lost the art of sitting and thinking, just sitting and thinking and creating rather than answering emails and calling and meetings and teleconferences right. and whatever. And that's the death of creativity. And then the, the other aspect, we've lost the art of wandering, like physically wandering, just go out for a walk and wander with no goal, no destination. And that's the same thing. It's like taking these moments, these quiet moments of just silencing and checking in with yourself and letting something creative come out of your mind. Yeah. And I have to say one of my favorite places to wander in the entire world is New York City. <laughs> like, yeah. and I... honestly, it's like I used to take myself on what I would call my great walks. You know, I'd like go for brunch with a friend or whatever, and then I'd leave them and then I'd just start walking. I would always walk for some reason through Washington Square Park because it Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite places in the city and there's always something crazy going on there. But when I see the images right now of everything in lockdown in New York and just it just looks surreal, right? But at the same time, it makes me want to walk it. Like, which is just the wrong impulse. Like, it's the wrong yeah, yeah, impulse. Yeah. But it's just, if you can find the space to do- go for that walk just for a little bit of fresh air, man, it makes so much difference. Even if you have no creative ideas that come out of it. It doesn't, yeah, yeah, no pressure to have that. Yeah. doesn't matter. But just taking that time for yourself is it's, really important. Yeah. I think we're, I think, I hope that we're learning that out of this situation, this awful situation. I think just it's so hard to keep your own head in times like this sometimes, especially when you've got a constant stream of news and like sanitizing groceries. I mean, yep. Like we can't. Yeah, I can't do it. Like I actually can't. I can't. I can't. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. And then I'm like, oh, this is just I sanitized the liquor bottles that I bought today. (laughs) I do, I'll do that. I'll do that. In our normal everyday lives, we all made small decisions about our own health and safety every day. Yes. But now our worlds have gotten so much smaller and we're just inside. So you can easily obsess about all these things that you're supposed to do and wipe everything down. But we've been making all these decisions the whole time. So give yourself the allowance to whatever Adapt. makes you feel safe mm-hmm. and good. Don't panic about the rest <laughs> because yeah. 
I mean, you still have you to can't be sane at some point. It's really, and it, the worst part of it is, is like, it's going to spread. It's already spread across the states. I think California is doing a fantastic yeah. job. But oh, the problem I is, know. is that until everybody does a fantastic job, <laughs> yeah. there's no yeah. room tone. There's yeah, room tone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's room tone. We're we've, we've been room <laughs> throwing this meme around for a while. We all got to be silent for thirty seconds, and if someone messes up, we got to start over. Yeah, and that's what that's what this is. So that's going to go on for a while. But when it first started happening, especially New York, I mean, you guys know it's like I spent ten years of my life in New York. Like that's my home still. Yeah. We walked out of there just on like a year ago. And mm-hmm. it feels like we walked away from a nuclear bomb. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's really hard to watch it from a distance. It's really hard to see people that we love and understanding what you guys are going through right now. Mm-hmm. I want to be there physically and emotionally and mentally. And at the same time, because I have a kid, there's a self preservation factor. That kicks in that makes me so relieved that I'm not there. And I think some of it has to do with knowing once you've lived in a place like New York, the camaraderie that happens. We don't have that sense here. Things are still somewhat relaxed. You know, we've gone down into really severe lockdown in the fact that social distancing is really put into play. So although Mm -hmm. shops are open, bars and restaurants aren't open, you're only supposed to go out of your home, basically exercise work yeah. related to go to the mm-hmm. grocery store or get essential services and you're only allowed to go out two people at a time so you can go out right. as an entire family oh, but you if you have to meet someone else you can only meet one other person and that would have to be for like exercise our beaches are completely yeah. closed like you cannot wow. go on the beach which makes it hard to go for a swim which sucks because that's australian it's all working like no yeah. it's working like everything that they're doing is is working i mean if you look at the graphs just from australia alone the drop in cases is significant and it is wow. also um it's really really significant which is absolutely fantastic and it's also one of those things where they're scared that it's going to pick up because easter is a really big holiday here it's still mm-hmm. you know christian calendar kind of society and so they're really scared that Australians will buck the trend and try and go to holiday houses and stuff like that but almost Mm. all of the states have shut their borders to the other states oh really really yeah so every state so New South Wales which is the state that I live in which is where Sydney is is what they would call the epicenter of our corona crisis which Mm -hmm. means okay you know we've got just under 6,000 cases announced you know over the period of time which sounds like nothing Compared to sounds what like you guys are dealing like with. Nothing. Sounds like nothing. Yep. I'm also in the epicenter of that because I'm in the eastern suburbs of Sydney where Bondi is. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Which has, I think, like 150 cases or something like that. So the numbers that we're talking about are very small, but they're doing everything that they can to kind of keep everything under control. So all of the states around it that have even smaller stuff, somewhat what what New Zealand's doing, which I'm sure you've probably heard, they're just shutting down completely. There's a mandatory 14-day quarantine going into those states for anyone going into some of those states. And then there Mm -hmm. are some states that have just completely shut down. So Queensland, where my parents live, has completely shut down. They're not letting anyone in that isn't a Queensland resident. Same with Western Australia. We only have seven states 
and yep. out of seven, five has shut their borders completely. So only Victoria, where Melbourne is, and New South Wales, where Sydney is, has an open border at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, I that's mean, that's it's, it's very quite, responsible. <laughs> it's very responsible, and it's maddening how the yeah. the, the American approach to to what is happening, both the American approach and the American response. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've lived here for a long time. You know how we Americans are. <laughs> I think uh, it's a, it's a it, the the there's two problems with it. One, there's a more centralized government here in Australia, so that they, they have more powers to lock stuff down, which I think is mm-hmm. really really significant. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of that has to do with like freedom in America and civil liberties yeah. and all of that kind and of entitlement. Stuff, which, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's, it's as I've always said, there's there's always a flip side of every coin, right? So there's right. a wonderful yeah. spirit that comes with American freedom and American mm-hmm. individuality. It just really fucking sucks in a pandemic. Like it's, yeah. it's, uh-huh. it's just like one of the worst things you can do, it's, you know? Yeah. Right. Whereas in Australia, what they normally term a nanny state we have a little bit more of a nanny state here where the federal government and the state governments can mandate stuff to do with their citizens so like people if you get caught like loitering somewhere or having a picnic somewhere you get police are issuing fines of like a thousand to like ten thousand and i think the biggest the single biggest thing that they've done that has stopped everything here is they cut off australia to any who isn't an Australian citizen. Mm-hmm. I did that like two, two and a half weeks ago, which I think was a massive fall in cases. And then about a week ago, they mandated that any returning Australians not only had to do a 14-day quarantine, but they couldn't do it in their own home anymore, which was what they had originally mandated because they found too many people were not doing it. So they've taken over hotels and they all have to go directly into a hotel. That's genius. For two weeks, sorry. So anyone who's come in, I think from, I think it, it was either last Saturday or the Saturday before, they can't go home, like they can't even do it in their own state. So they do it in their port of call. So if you're from Perth or Brisbane, which I know right. are totally weird places <laughs> for you guys right now, but different places, different states, say they have to arrive in Sydney, they arrive in Sydney, they get pushed straight into a into a hotel once they've gone through immigration. They stay in that hotel at the cost of the government and the taxpayer for two weeks because it's Australian citizens, right? So you're not paying for foreigners. And then if they have to go to their own state, they get shuffled onto those flights. And if they're in a state with a mandatory 14-day quarantine, they then have to quarantine again. So they have to quarantine for a full (laughs) 28 days. Hey, you know what? I mean, you're being very careful and it's keeping people alive. And it's working. It's, yeah. it's working. So it's hard to fault it right now. And the one big thing, and I'm sure you guys, I know you guys spoke to Glue Society, so they may have spoken to this, yeah. but insurance doesn't cover pandemic. No, no I it know. And we say, we learned either. that here as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you can't, you can't insure yourself on set. So even if you decide to take in every precaution, it's like if someone gets sick and someone dies, you're, you know. Yeah. I mean, I swapped over to agency work years and years ago. Right. I'm still on like a lot of sort of film crew stuff. And actually this January, January and December, I was producing for an animation company and I was doing it remotely and it's uh, Passion Pictures, which mm-hmm. you guys obviously, you know, fantastic international 
Passion Australia has a lot of stuff out of China. And so it was one of those things that was really interesting to watch because we, because Australia does so much production work with China and with Asia in general, it's almost as if we got more of a sense of what might come. Even in an animation company, their stuff dried up because brands are too scared right now to put any kind of information forward, you know, like the last thing you want to do is do something that is deemed insensitive, even if exactly unless they're putting out messaging about what they're doing for the community or for their customers or what what good they're doing right now, they shouldn't be worrying about, you know, their uh, 30% off sale until we really have a much clearer light at the end of the tunnel. What kind of messaging can you put forward right now, except what good you are doing, you know, with your billions and billions of dollars? You know, we're all in this together or the, you know, like the sympathy stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's still disingenuous. It's still, even that's getting. Yeah, yeah. totally. I don't like hearing it anymore. Yeah, exactly. And it's really, really hard to plan for. And like, you know, the problem with agency land in general right now is that because of the shift in the last five years to go to project work rather Mm -hmm. than any kind of retainer work, those projects have dried up a lot faster, obviously, than ever before. And so a lot of independent agencies and even the big holding company agencies have, uh, they're struggling, like their revenue decline has been so massive so quickly because projects have been put on hold or um, money has been taken away from them and they don't have the same kind of retainer structure that they used to, to be able to like push it up. And I'm sure that's very much happening in the States as well. I think it's really prudent and important just to remember that the entire chain and everybody is affected in this and we no one knows I think it's so great when you talk about okay but the future could look like this and the future could look like that but I think that if advertisers aren't advertising in our industry then we've all got problems right right Right. what what we've learned from the show is that you know it the work we do isn't going to go away. It is right. here to stay. We just don't know what it's going to look like or, how, or when it's going to happen, when it's going to happen and how big the, you know, there's going to be a massive amount of fall off because when it does come back and there are, let's say, 10 jobs in June that are shooting in L.A., New York, Sydney, whatever, there's going to be so many people lining up for those jobs that so many people are going to stay out of work until we ramp up to the volume that we were at. And that's going to take a really long time. So it's not it's not it's not going away, but it's going to change. And we don't know what that change looks like yet. I just I want the world to feel well again. And I want producers to produce. And I want yeah, I want people to feel safe and secure. And it's a shitty time for that right now. But I think it is. It is. It will happen again. It absolutely will. Beth, we have to go, but I'm going to ask you yeah. one more question. Yes. Actually, you probably just answered it. Um, once this is all over, what are you looking forward to? And it could be a, a flavor of ice cream or it could be world peace. I think maybe that was you just might have just answered it. But is there one thing that you're looking forward to once we're on the other side of this? Yeah, I mean, I think I think being outside, <laughs> going for a yeah. swim. But also being able to, I have always fundamentally had a problem because my heart has always been in two places. Mm. And it feels broken right now. Right. 
because your inability to to travel or or be where you want to be. Yeah, and it's that's the hardest thing for me. So knowing that I can get on a plane with my family and come back to the states and hug you guys, that's mm-hmm. that that will mean it. Oh my God, Lawrence! Like, oh, listen, wow. we know all the people. Well, we know the majority of the people that we've been interviewing and stuff. But when you really get on with with Beth, holy shit, man! What a breath yeah. of fresh air! I know, Seriously. I know, I say it after every time, but you know, sometimes <laughs> we're feeling, you know, a little. I don't know. It changed my mood yet again. She's very That's special. Good. She is, How about and you? I miss her so much. I, I, I miss her so much, and these are like it's, best it's, friends. Even though, you know, it's we're living our own reality, just hearing that there's success out there. Their success. country is is mm-hmm. is being successful at at beating this thing. That gives me encouragement. That really makes me happy to hear there is a way out of this eventually. And we just have to look at the countries that are ahead of us in this, follow their lead. That like Beth said, be patient and be kind yeah. to yourself. And just because you don't have all the answers right now doesn't mean that that's you're wrong or you're not good enough. And I know we talk a lot about using this time to be creative and be inspired and check in with yourself. But man, if you just need to sit on the couch, please, and just just there. bury your head for a while, that is okay too. So I don't know. I I, she, I love Beth so much, and I and I can't wait to see her again. Her injection of positivity, still based in reality. It's not you know. It's, it's not tempered positivity, right? Like it definitely is not fake. Because, you know, at this point, no. we, can, we're, we can see right through that shit. As we've talked about, yeah, our bullshit meters are high. Exactly. And she's just so genuine. And it just, her perspective is a much needed injection of reality. Thank you, Beth. Yeah. It was really special. Thanks, Beth. Be well out there. I know. And it's, right. I hope to everyone else it didn't sound like a bunch of inside jokes, but it, I, it was a bunch of inside I know. jokes. <laughs> I feel like it was. But we haven't seen her in forever. We and, get, and, listen. Yeah. Hit us up and we can add you to our Zoom meeting with us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, all right, all right everybody. Stay safe. Stay connected. Stay active. But please stay home. Stay home. Stay home. Uh, wash your hands. And, you know, as Lawrence mentioned yesterday, um, use lotion afterwards. To, yes, so the sandpaper. Exactly. Don't touch your damn face. And please wear a mask when you go outside. Be sure to send us your voice recordings, your voice memos, or just email us your story at producershappyhour at gmail.com. We really want to hear from you. Please do. Um, they're important to us. Yeah. So, Lawrence, how do people reach you directly? Uh, you can get me at lawrencetlewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. Christian, how do people get a hold of you? They can get me at sisterchristianproduces.com. Dot com. <laughs> All right, everybody. (laughs) These night interviews are great because we've definitely had a few drinks. Yes. (laughs) Mm. It's the original concept. Producers happy hour. (laughs) (laughs) Moscow Mule. All right. Moscow Mule. And an IPA. Exactly. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.